Well, next week we will be completing the series that we've been in for the last few months uh, related to the Ephesian church. Our goal has been to learn from the Ephesian Christians so we might avoid a similar rebuke that Jesus gave to them via a letter that he sent through the Apostle John and the revelation that he gave to him. Next week, we will be completing the Ephesians series with that letter from Jesus to the Ephesians, which is also actually where we started this series. The last few weeks, we've been looking at a letter that the Apostle John wrote called 1 John. While not written to the Ephesian church, the belief is that since John had served there in the Ephesian church after Timothy had been pastor there, that the Ephesian Christians were likely familiar with the topics addressed. And it's actually thought by the majority of scholars that John was actually in Ephesus when he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Today we are going to look at 2nd and 3rd John. I will give some background and some observations related to each of the letters, and then then I'm going to read them in their entirety, and they're, they're not very long. After that, I'm going to hone in on an issue central to both of them, walking in the truth. But first, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we turn our attention to your word, we ask that your voice would be heard, that you would speak to our hearts, that we would see you, that the name of Jesus would be lifted up, that you would draw us into your presence again for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, both of these letters were written about the same time as 1 John, about 85 to 95 AD. That's about 60 years after Christ's resurrection. And both of them used the word truth a number of times, and they are brief letters, and and they use that word a lot. Uh, 2 John uses it five times, all in the first four verses, and 3 John, even shorter, uses it six times. Both letters also use the phrase, walking in the truth, which is very similar. Some would even argue it means the same thing as the phrase John used at the beginning of his first letter, walking in the light. Both of these brief letters also include some implications of this walking in the truth as it relates to false teachers, was an example. And false teachers are an issue that we saw the Apostle Paul also addressed a lot when interacting with the Ephesian church. So now about 2 John. One of the biggest questions related to this letter is to whom it is written. The text says that it's to the elect lady and her children. But in honesty, uh, it's not really clear who that is. The speculation ranges between two primary options. The first is that it was written to a particular woman whose name we do not know in a particular church that we also do not know. The other primary option, and this is the one that I actually hold to, is is that it is written to either a particular church in a particular city, which we don't know, or even possibly to the church more universal, 
the, the lady being the church and her status as being elect as being part of the called people of God. However, the to whom it is written issue is not the main point. And the fact is that it is God's word to us and we need to hear what it has to say. In the letter, John both commends the recipients for walking in the truth, and he calls the recipients to walk in the truth. And he makes statements that sound very much like the issues we addressed last week when we discussed abiding in Christ as God abides in us, and loving one another as God has loved us, and obeying his commandments. That, I don't know if you remember, but it was that circular thing we discussed last week. It's very present in verses 4 to 7. And so when I read the letter, listen for that. Basically, in this letter, John is calling the recipients to walk in the truth, love each other, and to look out for false teachers who can be identified by what they say about Jesus. Now, hear the word of the Lord, Second John. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, And not only I, but also all who know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, Not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abiding in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Now, third John. This letter is specifically addressed to a beloved co-worker that John is commending for walking in the truth by showing hospitality to other Christians, specifically itinerant ministers who were traveling around and preaching the gospel of Christ. The co-worker to whom it is written is Gaius, who with fair certainty is different from the other three people named Gaius in the New Testament. We really don't know anything more about this Gaius except what's in the letter. Two other individuals are also mentioned that we also do not know much more about other than what's in this letter. One of them is a guy named Diophanes, Diophanes, I'm not pronouncing it right, who uh, was not on John's good list for his refusal to welcome Christian missionaries 
those teachers and also for his dictatorial leadership style and his, his opposition to even John. Basically, this guy was not walking according to the truth. The other is a brother named Demetrius, who John praises for getting it right and whose reputation and witness to the truth was a blessing. This is a short personal letter from John in which he praises one brother, condemns another, and honors a third. Now here, third John. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diophanes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Short little letters. Interesting. One of the main issues that John addresses in these letters is the issue of false teachers or misguided teachers. If you recall, I delivered a message on false teachers a little over a month ago that, that may be worthwhile to go back and listen to since there are few issues in the New Testament epistles about which there are more warnings made and concerns expressed. False teachers and misguided leaders do not walk according to the truth, such as Diophanes. John identifies a dominant characteristic of false teachers in verse 7 of 2 John when he identifies them as those who do not confess the coming of Jesus in the flesh. He is saying that false teachers do not recognize the incarnation of Christ. And they can't. It simply means too much. The incarnation of Christ means God became man in order to save us, which means that we needed to be saved, which recognizes our sin and the absolute necessity for God himself to die on the cross for our sins. A major issue for false teachers 
is that they cannot get past the truth that God became man and remained fully God. And they try. They try to get around the truth of the incarnation by saying that God came, but never really took on flesh, never really became man. Or, or they say that Jesus was God and he wore a coat of humanity, never really became man. These ideas are found in Gnostic and other heresies, and you've probably heard them before. They're, the false teachers also say that Jesus was only a man, a great teacher, one who really, really, really understood God. The fact is that false teachers just cannot bring themselves to say Jesus Christ was fully man and fully God eternal, through whom all was created, eternally God. That's who we worship and serve. Many efforts to get around this point today seem to avoid the theological issue altogether and simply make Christ a kind of genie whose purpose is to serve our fancies. Or some try to construct him in our image rather than remembering that we are made in his image. For instance, just this last week, I saw um, where the woke movement is now trying to make Jesus transgender rather than acknowledge that God, through whom Jesus, through whom all was created, made us in his image, male and female. That's an example of the false teachings. But false teachers cannot embrace that Jesus was fully God, who became fully man and remained fully God, who is to be worshipped and served. And the truth is that anything less than that truth is, according to John, a teaching of the deceiver and the Antichrist. It also renders the rest of the gospel and the Bible meaningless. God revealed his love justice and glory by becoming man in the person of Jesus Christ in order to save us. For there was no other way for that to happen. While we might have much in common with many people who might sound like Christians, the, the truth is that what absolutely separates us, and John points out in these letters, what separates us from the rest is the truth of Jesus and his incarnation. So what does this have to do with walking in the truth? In 2 John, after addressing the false teachers and how to tell who they are, John then tells them the following. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, i.e. the truth about Jesus, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now, our response might be to that. Now, hey, wait a minute. Uh, isn't that kind of harsh um, and non-loving? I mean, aren't we supposed to love our enemies? John is making it clear that in the matter of who Jesus is, there is simply no room in the church for false doctrines about Christ. And walking in the truth means staying clear of such false teachings of the evil one. We've been going through the book of Numbers in the question and answer session after the service. Last week's reading 
included a section on purification laws. It made the point that um, there, there really was no room whatsoever for impurity, for being unclean in God's tabernacle, where the tabernacle being where his presence was experienced and made known. Well, we, the church, are his tabernacle where God dwells. And false teachings about Jesus are as unclean as you can get. According to the book of Numbers, even those touching or taking part in a purification process, trying to deal with the uncleanliness, even those who were part of that process became unclean just by being around it. This is what happens when we tolerate false teachings about Jesus. There simply is no room in the church for false teachings about Jesus. And whoever even lets it dwell in their house or tries to be friendly with it or or the purveyors of it will be impacted, according to John, and actually take part in the wicked ways of the false teachers. John is making a very strong, harsh point. We might have much in common with many people who sound like Christians, but if their Jesus is a genie whose goal is to make you wealthy, that is a different Jesus. If their Jesus is a great teacher who was killed for his political views of justice and not because he came to die for our sins, that's a different Jesus. If their Jesus is merely a buddy-buddy whose only goal is to give us fuzzy feelings when we pile into a building and sing songs and then watch shenanigans on the stage, well, that's a different Jesus. And there is no room for the purveyors of such falsehood within the real church. And we should not pretend that they are our brothers or sisters in Christ simply because they might share a similar view of abortion or evolution or parenting. When they speak of a different Jesus, they are perpetuating wicked nonsense. Those are John's words, not not mine. And they are headed to judgment, and they're taking people with them. And for us to pretend all is groovy and come on in and ignore the aroma of death is simply not how you walk in truth. Again, he's focusing on what does it mean to walk in truth. But... We are still to love those people. We, we are still commanded to love those people. We are still to help them when they are injured. We are still to feed them. And we should be praying that God will show them the errors of their ways and that he will even use us to do that. But in no way are we to condone their teachings or support their wicked ways. I know um, this line can be kind of blurry at times, and and it is harsh. But there is a line, and, and we need to know it, and we need to maintain it. And it has to do with Jesus. And we need to do that so we do not end up with good intentions supporting the work of the Antichrist. Again, John's words, not mine. But dealing with false teachers is only part of what John addressed in these letters. He also makes the point that we are to support and help those who are doing the work of Christ. 
We are to be like Gaius with his hospitality and Demetrius and his reputation related to the truth and the others who were walking in the truth. It's not just deal with false teachers. It also involves being the church and walking in the truth, which brings us to what is this walking in truth? Well, actually, we talked about that quite a bit last week when we talked about living and abiding in Christ and obeying his commandments and love and both focusing on the love of God towards us and our love to him. I don't know if you remember, I was talking about that circular thing. Walking in the truth or the light means to live your life according to the truth in such a way that you are living for Christ and not for yourself. It means being conformed to the image of Christ as you obey his commandments. It means experiencing and expressing love, the love of God towards us and our love for him as a response to what he has done. And this is captured in 2 John verse 5. After John reminds us that we are to love one another, he says that this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. Again, this takes us back to that circular thing we discussed last week, abiding in God, obedience to his commands, and love, and then they just feed on each other. But here's the point that I want to make. When it comes down to it, for us who have been born again, it really isn't that hard to know if we are walking in the truth or not. Think about it. Um, I know when I am. You probably know when you are. When we are inappropriately angry, angry, we know we are not. When we turn the other cheek, we know we are. When we are thinking things we know are not consistent with God's commandments, we know we are not. When we are worshiping God simply because of who he is, we know we are. When we are holding a grudge, we know we are not. When we are putting someone else's needs above our desires, we know we are. When we drift towards selfishness or self-centeredness or even self-pity, we, we know we are not. When we take on the attitude of Christ and serve and love to the point of death, we know we are. It really isn't that hard, is it? We know. Now, for those who have not been born again, however, for those who are still in darkness, well, it's much harder for them since Things are not as clear in the darkness, even when their conscience is shouting at them. But the truth is that we who have been born again, we know if we are walking in the truth. But that isn't the challenging part of walking in the truth. Doing it is. Notably, the word that John used is walking. This is an ongoing, continuing action. Walking in the truth and walking in the light takes volition, takes a choice. It is an action. And that is what John is praising these folks for. Of course, 
they knew the truth. They knew the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, the incarnate Christ Jesus. They knew him. So do we. They and we know the truth. But these folks to whom he was writing had done more than that. They were walking in it. We too frequently are like them in our knowledge of the way, the truth, and the life. But we stay put. We do not walk. We do not live it out. And that is what we are called, reminded to do in God's word to us today in these letters. If we are honest with ourselves, we will likely have to admit that a major problem is that too often we are simply very comfortable with the blessings the Lord has given us and we, and we become lackadaisical. Or on the other end, we've slipped into a, a mindset where we have become preoccupied with our needs and our desires and not Christ's. And, and this is really important. We discussed it last week. Those problems are best addressed by getting back into that circle of abiding in Christ love and obeying his commandments. If you want to break that cycle of those two things I mentioned, do that. Obey his commandments, love and abide in Christ, whatever order you want. In my case, I know that I have walked in the truth. My, my challenge is, am I still walking in it? Am I going to continue going forward and walk in it? What about you? The truth is the truth. That's the truth. And ultimately, all will acknowledge it. That, in many ways, is, is not our issue. Our issue is whether or not we are going to move, whether or not we're going to walk in the truth or not. In the end, there will be those who acknowledge the truth, but who didn't walk in it. And there will be those who acknowledge the truth and have walked in it, who have gotten off the bench and actually moved, walked, lived out who they really are in Christ Jesus. Which are you going to be? That's the message today. Before I close, though, I want to point out that, as we will see next week, the fact of the matter is that the Ephesian church actually got the issue of, the, of truth, particularly truth related to false teachers, right. They actually got that right. Jesus even praised them for it in the letter he sent them. They also got a whole bunch of other stuff right. But what they missed, as we will see next week, was the part about continuing to walk or to continuing to abide in Christ. And this led to their forgetting their first love, him. They took their focus off of Jesus, God incarnate. They knew the truth, but they stopped walking in it. May we never do the same. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you so much that you have revealed your love for us in coming as Christ Jesus to die for our sins. We thank you that we know that you are the truth and the life. And all of that can be found in you. We ask that you would empower us to walk in your truth, to abide in you, to obey your commandments, to love for the glory of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.